0: Welcome to Bangor Community Church Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed today as you hear the Word of God. But I just want to welcome Clem. I've known Clem for over, well, about 35 years now. Something like that. Clem, maybe tell you he's traveled in the land since the 80s. And um, it's just wonderful to have somebody like Clem. Clem came up under... The prophets, he was trained under prophets like himself. And we were at a leaders meeting in Ballymena yesterday. And as I watched Clem minister, most of those, if not all of those men are in glory now. But there's Clem and he's here for our land now. And though Clem travels in nations, he loves Ireland because he's got so much family here in Ireland. And this is where his family were from. So it's wonderful to have somebody coming in with Ireland on their heart. So receive tonight all that Clem has. Welcome, Clem. I've got a, I've got a bite. All right, cheers. Hi everybody, good to be back with you. You rearranged the furniture since I was here last. Wow, this looks great, fantastic. And uh, yes, good to be back. The very first church I ever came to in Ireland was here. I was 32, now I'm 35. Just three years ago, I'm kidding. It <laughs> was a long time ago, and it is a thrill to be back here. I am. I'm, I met two distant cousins up in Bellamina over the last two days. I didn't even know I had, and it was just so cool to connect. Uh, Facebook's kind of it, it's a it's kind of a, a demon sometimes. It's kind of an angel sometimes. You know, it's like you don't know. But it's been so neat to connect with uh, some family back up there. So we've had a great week already, and. Uh, we're just beginning the, rolling out the weekend here in Bangor, it's going to be great, and tomorrow Kingdom Harvest, so um, let's just get into the Word. For those who don't know me, my name's Clem Ferris, I travel uh, full-time in ministry, before that I pastored down in the state of Florida, uh, and I was uh, mentored by uh, guys like Bill Hammond and Dr. David Blomgren for seven years. In fact, I came here the first time with Dr. Dave, you remember him, David Blomgren, we came and, gosh, we did a worship seminar, what were we thinking then? They don't play those songs anymore. They were good songs. But anyway, that's the only ones I can still play. But uh, yeah, we planted a church in 1993 uh, in Fort Myers, Florida, and then uh, in 1999, God began to stir my heart to travel full-time, and in that time, I was traveling also then with Keith Hazel, uh, who's from England, but had a network in Canada. John knows them, right, the the, the Life Links guys, and then... um, yeah, we just turned the corner and started traveling full-time, moved to North Carolina, joined another apostolic team there, and I've been with those guys for 21 years and cross-Pollinate still with other networks, still with LifeLinks and other networks. And it's just a joy to see what God's doing in the nations. God's big. He's doing a lot of stuff. He's not locked down. He's not shut down. He's not nervous. God is on the move. In fact, he moved some some furniture without our permission over the last 18 months, and he's not done. So uh, let's try to catch up with God tonight. Is that all right with everybody? Let's catch up with him. I want you to turn to the prophet Micah, Micah chapter 2 and verse 13. We're going to start with a a picture tonight of who our God is for us in this hour. And Micah's a, a short prophet. He's not a minor prophet. He's short. That's all. There's no such thing as... If you make it in this book, you are not a minor prophet. You're the the real deal. So there's short prophets and long prophets. Uh, He's a short prophet. He's right next to Jonah. Uh, Micah chapter 2 and verse 13. I'm going to read out of my uh, translation. Just read out of your translation, but follow me here. Micah says, The breaker goes up before them, and they break through. Or they break out, some say. They pass through the gate, and they go out by it. So their king goes on before them, the Lord... At their head, get the picture tonight of, first of all, Jesus Christ, our king as the breaker. I like that. He's the breaker. That's what we used to call our two-year-old grandson. He used to break everything. <laughs> so not that kind of breaker, though, He's, he's going to bring spiritual breakthroughs for us. I like the, the way it's set up by Micah. He says, "The breaker goes out before us. Where's God tonight? He's out before you." He's not behind. He's not on the sidelines. He is right out before you. And then we break through. He does all the breaking. We break through. Sometimes you feel like, I need a breakthrough, so I need to do all the breaking. No, you don't. You've got a breaker on your side. And we break through. The king goes out before them, the Lord at their head. Jesus, the breaker. Everybody needs a breakthrough. And we really need some breakthroughs in this hour. We need some breakthroughs. What is a breakthrough? A breakthrough is simply an act of overcoming some kind of an obstacle, an act of overcoming some kind of resistance. How many have an obstacle or resistance going right now? How many never raise your hand in church? That's the rest of you. You all have one. You know you do. You might be sitting next to one tonight. You never know. Am I talking too fast? I'll slow down. I'll talk like the talk in North Carolina. I had to slow my speech way down in North Carolina because they they'll take one word and turn it into four syllables. So I'll slow down. Anyway, we need breakthroughs. So tonight I want to start, our main text is Genesis chapter 15, verse 1 through 6. If we can go there, Genesis 15, 1 through 6. We're gonna look at how God comes as our breaker to break through situations, and we're gonna look at it in the life of now it's Abram. He's not Abraham yet in the life of this guy named Abram. Abram is going through some things. He went through some things up to this. I mean, he's only, he's only been in the book for three chapters, but he's been going through some things. It's chapter 15, and God comes to him. Watch how this opens up in verse 1. It says, now, after these things. Don't miss that phrase. After these things. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Here's what God says: After all these things that happened in his life, God shows up afresh in a vision and says, Fear not, Abram. First words out of God's mouth in this fresh vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. Wow. It's like, I could go home right now right? Jonathan would say, that's the word of the Lord. Write it down, Genesis. Okay. Fear not, church. You know what? I'm your shield and everything. Let's go. And Abram goes, "Um, excuse me, I have some questions. (laughs) You ever get a word from God and go, I have some questions. (laughs) Actually, can I give you some good news? If you hear, you think you heard a word from God and you have questions, you definitely had a word from God. God always generates more questions in our life. Because God, we know in part, we prophesy in part, God gives us clues, God tells us just enough to get us interested, and then just not enough to make us pursue him. The prophetic is a pursuit of God himself, it's not just pursuit of words. Hope you didn't come tonight pursuing words. Hope everybody came in tonight, let's pursue God. We want, we want God. So, <laughs> he comes in and said, fear not, I'm your shield, your reward will be very great. And he goes, um, excuse me, Lord... What are you going to give me? Because I continue childless and this heir of my house I guess is going to be this Eleazar of Damascus. I guess I'll have to choose my own because you've given me no offspring. So I guess this member of my own household will have to be my heir. Not much faith there, buddy. That's, that's a pretty lousy response to Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward be very great. Yeah, but um, I have a better plan. We call that plan B. Isn't it nice when we come up with a plan B for God? Can I tell you something? God doesn't do plan B. God's never made a plan B in his life. Jesus Christ was always plan A from before the foundations of the world. That's good news. Even with the fall of man and evil and sin and everything that entered the world, God didn't go, oh my gosh, we got to come up with plan B. Some people would even think... The cross was plan B to get to rescue us out of what we could have been. He goes, no, 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 it was from the foundations of the world. So here's Abram trying to help God out and saying, well, listen, that's a nice prophecy, but let me tell you how I think it's going to flesh out here. I'm just going to have to pick my own ear because you promised a, a, a son before and it hasn't happened so far, so I'll just pick my own ear. And God just says, clears, throat> clears his throat. Sometimes you, when I'm reading, I, see, I hear God clearing his throat. I don't know, maybe it's the Holy Spirit just trying to make a point. It's like, listen, like, oh, <clears throat> This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. Plan A. What's going on so far? Well, let's go back to verse 1 for just a minute. After these things, a bunch of stuff had been happening in chapter 12 and 13 and 14. And after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. The word of the Lord, Debar is the Hebrew word there for word of the Lord. It's so over 5,000 times in the Old Testament. "debar" means, it translated word of the Lord, but it's that which pushes from behind. It's a force. The word of God is full of divine energy. When God opens his mouth, divine energy comes out. It's not English yet. It's not Chinese. It's not Greek or Hebrew. When God talks, power comes out. Energy, divine energy to get done what he said. That's why Isaiah said, my word will accomplish that for which I sent it. It will not return to me empty or void. There's no reverse gear on a word. That's why God couldn't take back his word and go, oh, I'm sorry, Abram, you don't have a child yet. I'm sorry that didn't work. Okay, let's go to plan B. No, he says, no, the word of the Lord comes afresh. says, first of all, fear not. So he came and brought divine energy to bust him out of his fear. The breaker came to break fear off of Abram because that was the initial problem here. That's why it wasn't working. That's why, because, why? Because of all these things. Things that he went to. Oh, we're going to talk about them in just a minute, but he went through some things and now he found himself in a place of fear. Maybe you went through some things the last 18 months or so, then you find yourself maybe in a little place of fear. What's going to happen? What's next? <laughs> you need the breaker. Not to break your circumstances, to break your fear. Fear not, Abram. And then he says this, I am your shield. Now, they hadn't written Ephesians yet. God already had it written in his mind, but hadn't got it on paper yet. So he uses the same metaphor that Paul used describing the armor of God in Ephesians 6. The shield is the shield of faith. Oh, you guys are all faith people. I love it. Yeah, the shield of faith. So he says, Abram, what? I'm your faith. I'm going to be your faith. Why are you in fear? You have no faith. How many know they're kind of like opposite and they're kind of similar? Right? Fear is believing in what you can't see. Faith is believing in what you can't see. Huh? Yeah. Just depends on what you're focusing on. And so he says, I am your shield. You need faith. It comes from me. And your reward shall be very great. So Abram comes up with plan B. God corrects him and says, no, there's no plan B. We're going to go with plan A. And then he says, I've got to do something here. I got to give you what you need most and you don't have. So what he did is he brought him outside. He did one of these. You ever have that happen to you with one of your parents or maybe a school principal or a coach or somebody excuse me, come with me young man. <laughs> he takes him outside, changes his location. Sometimes God wants to change your location, change your view. Come on. Mix things up a little. Refocus you. So he shifted him out of where he was brought him outside and says now look toward heaven refocus boy <laughs> quit looking at your circumstances quit looking down here quit looking at Eleazar he's not going to be your son quit looking at all these things look toward heaven he said and this is funny why he he goes look toward heaven and number the stars if you can sometimes god gets a little sassy a little sparky with us like <laughs> See all those stars? Now, why do you say that? Well, see, Abram was a Chaldean. The Chaldeans worshiped the stars. It's kind of like, hey, bonehead, you're out there every night looking at those things and worshiping them. Why don't you just count them, do something constructive? He goes, see all the stars? Count them if you can. That's how many kids you're going to have. Still plan A. I can't. There's too many. Exactly. You have no idea. He's still not done. He still hasn't broken through yet. He does one more powerful act as the breaker. And he broke in on his unbelief, gave him fear, or gave him faith. I mean, gave him faith. See, faith is a gift. He gave him what he needed the most. That's our God. Whatever your need is tonight, God God gives it. We don't have faith. We're not born with faith. We're born in unbelief, we're born in sin. We're born in utter depravity, and God breaks in on that as the breaker. He breaks in on the spiritual life that's dead before him, and he breaks in and says, Here, here is faith. Saved by grace, through faith, it is the gift of God. And he believed right there. Oh, that's the change. That's the big transition in verse six. Something different. He's a different guy now. Abram believed. He became a believer for that he was an unbeliever, Chaldean, star worshiper in fear, and the breaker showed up. And he believed the Lord. and then God did the most incredible thing, <laughs> took that belief, that act of faith, and turned it back around on Abram, and said, "Here's also my righteousness." counted it back unto him as righteousness, and you're sitting in it right now. It's 2001. Bangor, Northern Ireland. you're sitting in a nice, comfortable chair in a newly renovated sanctuary. This is wonderful, but you're sitting there as the seed of Abraham, and God counts that faith unto you as righteousness. That's mind-blowing. That's so pivotal. That, That one statement made it into the New Testament several times. Paul used it in Romans. James used it in the book of James to remind us. What our faith, the faith of our Father did for us. He believed for us. We were in his loins then. He believed, and God counted it back unto him as righteousness. This was a God moment. You ever had a God moment? We need God moments where God breaks in on our situation. God breaks in on our fear, our uncertainty, our doubt, our unbelief. And it's always after these things. What things are you talking about? Well, let's go back for just a minute think about Abram's life. He's got, gets this call. He's called out of the land of his fathers, the Ur of the Chaldees. He says, I want you to go over here. And he goes halfway. Oops. We call that partial obedience. <laughs> he got going good and then he went halfway. Partial. Everybody had partial obedience. This is not a good time to raise your hand in church, but we've all had partial obedience. I've had partial obedience. He, he comes into character crisis. He takes his family down to Egypt and the Pharaoh and the guys are looking at his wife going, Whoo! is that your wife? He goes, ah, uh, no, that would be my sister. Not good. Character crisis. Lying. <laughs> you know, it's like, one time our washing machine broke down. We had the repairman come to the house and I talked to him and we talked about what, what he's going to do and all that. And so he goes, goes up to fix it. It's on our second floor where our bedrooms are. That was a genius move. Somebody put the washing machine up where the dirty clothes come from. That was brilliant. So my wife happened to be upstairs in one of the bedrooms, and he's finishing and coming out, and she sees him, and she says, oh, are you done? Do you need anything else? He goes, no, I'm good. I already talked to your dad. <laughs> what? That's kind of funny, but here's the sad part of that story. I don't recall her ever correcting <laughs> him. That part of the story never got to. She told me that, the part about... Yeah, he, called, he said, I already talked to your dad. Yeah, <laughs> and, and what did you say, honey? <laughs> Never got an answer on that one. Anyway, uh, not good to lie about who your family members are. Anyway, moving on. Uh, problems with Lot, family conflict, co- family pressure, repeated failure. He lies again. He's got lots of delay in his life, years with nothing happening. And then God shows up and goes, now, after these things. I don't know about you. I am so glad that in the mind of God, as He looks at your life and my life, He's always thinking about what's after these things. Say, after these things. Start smiling now. This is a good time to break out a smile. Say, this is gonna be good. Because God is always looking at what's after these things. Our problem is we tend to focus on what's behind us. You know why? We have a helper, and it's not the Holy Spirit. We have an enemy. He's called the accuser of the brethren. He's a liar, he's a thief, he's a scoundrel, and he has one ministry to remind you of all your failures. (laughs) Yeah, but what about that time? Well, what about that? Do you remember when you did that? That's all he knows. He only knows your past. He doesn't know your future. God does. So he's constantly bringing up your past, your failures. He does. The thing about God is he doesn't focus on your failures like we do. And God doesn't get consumed with our past like we do. And here's the best of all, God doesn't give up on us like we want to give up. See, Abram was about to give up. He basically said, I give up. I give up on the plan. I'm going to point my own air. Let's get on with life. He goes, no, you won't. After these things, Abram, after all these things, here's my word. The best thing about God is God can bring a breakthrough when it looks like everything's breaking down. This past year and a half has been crazy. All kinds of things breaking down, systems breaking down. Everything was, that was we called normal was shut down, locked down, broken down. God says, now, Bangor community, are you ready? After these things. God's already thinking about what's next. What's after these things? I did a lot of Zooms. I still do a lot of Zooms. I started out, I, started out, I was a baby Zoomer. But now I'm a, I'm a Zoomologist. I can really do it. I push all the... Anyway, we started doing Zooms last summer, uh, and um, it's amazing how things began to roll out of my mouth over the internet into other countries and other places, and it's like, God, what? And I was amazed at the prophetic content that was coming to people. This is just several months after the lockdown. We didn't know what was going on, and I'm prophesying over people, and God's not even talking about the the pandemic. He's not talking about that stuff. He's prophesying destiny. He's prophesying calling. He's prophesying reaching people, evangelism, strategies, all this stuff. I'm sitting there going, God, you're amazing. I certainly wouldn't be coming up with this stuff. (laughs) I was as shocked as anybody how God was always looking out in the future, building for the future. Every believer needs some kind of a breakthrough somewhere, somehow, sometime. Churches need breakthroughs. Businesses sometimes need a breakthrough. Because, see, God can do more in a few seconds, and I means, I'm i not exaggerating. God can do more in a few seconds than you can do in months and weeks, maybe even years. The thing about God is he sets you up for him. It's not an accident. It's not a last-ditch effort. It's not something you can put in X amount of hours of prayer and X amount of Bible reading and X amount of church attendance Sundays and... X amount of tithing. There's no scorecard for this. You can't earn it. In fact, the worse you are, the better you are. You're a better candidate for a breakthrough when things are breaking down. <laughs> Abram was breaking down. He was about to ruin the whole plan, supposedly. Like, come up with my own plan. He goes, no, you're not. God broke through. He said, you're not. You're sticking with plan A. The breaker came in. When the uh, I was praying about traveling full time and not pastoring anymore in 1999. I hit a wall, and I hit a wall. I th- even in prophetic ministry, I felt like, how do I go to the next level? I'd been already been trained by these mentors that Karen's mentioning, 17 years training in the prophetic, and I felt like, God, how do I go to the next level? What's next? And that's what it began to stir me about not just traveling, because I felt like if I don't want to just travel and do the same thing, I feel like I need a breakthrough. I didn't. Even, I don't know if I use that word. Here's what God said to me, 1999. He said, to go to the next level, you've run with the prophets. Now you need to run with the apostles. And I went, huh? <laughs> Remember what I said, when God speaks to you, generates questions. I had a lot of questions. I first had a what? This is 1999. Still trying to figure it out. What is a what is an apostle? Where are these apostles? Who are they? Why, how am I going to do it? All oh, all these questions keep bubbling up, and I'm meeting and praying and talking with Keith Hazel and talking with my wife and I are praying. How? When? Where? Who? What? Do I travel? Do I do I do I move? Do I stay? Do I? We had all these questions, question questions, just agonizing. I got a phone call in March of 1999 from uh, Pastor Jerry Daly and. Chapel Hill, North Carolina, pastor of Grace Church, but also the leader of Grace Churches International. He was an apostle. I didn't know that, I thought he was just a pastor. I'd met him at a couple of conferences, but he's got a whole network of church. Invites me up to do prophetic ministry because Keith Hazel couldn't go. Isn't that interesting? So Keith said, call this guy. He'll come. <laughs> that's, that's why relationships are really important. God uses them. So I went, did this prophetic presidency and I flew in Stayed at Jerry's house the first morning. We're getting to know each other. He says, so uh, tell me, what's going on in your life? i like, <laughs> Everything came out on the breakfast table. Like, here's what's going on. And I laid it all out. I don't know. And God said, and I don't know how. And I got a lot of questions. And Jerry, being an apost- apostle, they're kind of prophetic. They have great sight and insight. You know, Paul was more sightful than a lot of prophets. Paul had incredible spiritual sight. But the thing that Paul could see was architecture, how to build churches, how to build people. He called himself a wise master builder, architect Non. So Paul could see things and then speak even prophetically into situations. Here's Jerry just listening to my sob story. And in, I don't know, 10 to 15 seconds, he spoke the architecture of what I've been doing for the last 20 years. In 15 seconds, he said, well, brother, I think you're supposed to move here. Base your traveling ministry out of our church. We'll help you get launched Join my apostolic team. I just lost a prophet. God said he's sending another one. I think it's you. And we're starting a Bible college. You can help us launch that, okay? I went 10 seconds. (laughs) Breakthrough! God broke in on all my questions, uncertainties. I didn't know. God answered all my questions of months of praying in 10 seconds. Now, it took a year for that to happen. <laughs> I had to go back, convince my wife. We had to make a trip to North Carolina, meet all these people. It's like for you guys, it's like moving to another, almost, not, almost another country. At least they speak English, but they all talk real slow down there. Um, so we moved to North Carolina. A year later, turned up my church, start traveling out there, and been doing that for 21 years. That's as long as I've been anywhere. God broke through. Pivotal. Breakthrough moments that can come in a moment, in a second. Why are they so important? Well, like I said, number one, you need breakthroughs to go to the next level of your destiny—personal destiny, organizational, your church, whatever, social, career. You need them to go. God comes when you're like desperate and says, almost like I quit going to Plan B. He goes, Perfect. You're, I'm setting you up. You're you're ripe for a breakthrough. Secondly, you need breakthroughs because, well, they're personal. They become very personal. It's not something you watched on YouTube. It's not a sermon you heard. It's not somebody else's story. It becomes your story. Close encounter with God. Close encounter of the divine kind. I just, I just met with God. There are those times when God draws close in your time of need. It's that looking back going, you know, I remember a time when, don't you love, I love Christian fellowship. And I loved sitting around and just, do you remember the time when? Yeah. When God did that? Yeah. Now we we can't live there, but it's always good to remember when God did move. You know what that means? He's going to move again. So it moves you out of that pause sequence. I was in a pause sequence in 1999. I just felt like I, could, I didn't know what to do, where to do it, how to do it. I, that. I was like, Ugh. and then the breakthrough came and moved me out of that pause, and I had fresh vision, and it's still been running for 21 years. Breakthroughs are revealing. You need a breakthrough. Why? They reveal something, first of all, about God. He's not mad at you. <laughs> you know, he wasn't mad at Abram. He just came and said, you have a problem, and I'm going to fix it. Breakthroughs are revealing. They reveal things about you. Where you are in your walk with God, your level of current unbelief that God wants to break in and give you faith. You see something you've never seen before, that's revelation. It's where God just hands you a fresh photograph of your future. That's why we love the prophetic, right? Prophecy is God just downloading, if you will, a verbal picture of something about your future that keeps you going. It's like a photo reel. We all have these crazy gizmos, these little rectangles, right? Carry them around. Everybody got a rectangle? Know somebody's got a rectangle? Yeah, and we love to look. We're the photo generation. Everything's photos now. Photoshop, Photoshop, photo shit, photo, photo, photo. And then Instagram, and we're always like, what's next, what's next? You get up in the morning like, hey, I wonder what happened while I was asleep for the last eight hours. And you're all excited. Can I tell you something? God has your photo reel already done. It's done. He's not adding pictures as you go, He's not deleting like we get to, thank God. Um, I'm so glad they didn't have this stuff when I was growing up. I'd be in a lot of trouble. Uh, yeah, your photo reel is done. And God doesn't judge you in the middle of the photo reel, God already sees the end product Christ in you, the hope of glory. Well, we get all flustered because we look at life right now and go, I guess this is as good as it gets. I guess we'll go to plan B because everything else is up to now is breaking down. And God goes, no, it isn't. If you could see what I see, if you can see the final photo, you'd get the breakthrough. Finally, breakthroughs are really important to us because they're reassuring. When that comes, it's like, ah, it reassures you, number one, of what something maybe God said before. Maybe it actually brings the the culmination of months, weeks, years of prayer. Maybe a prophetic word gets fulfilled. God confirms his word to you. You know what you believe. That's faith. But you know what the main thing actually breakthroughs do? See, most people want changed things. Most people want changed circumstances. Most people want him to change, if she'd just change, if that would change or this would change. We all focus on the tangible. We want changed things. Breakthroughs change you. God didn't change anything for Abram at that moment. He just bypassed all the things. That's why I love the beginning of that chapter. Now, after these things, the word of the Lord came and changed Abram. That's what God's after. It's the greatest thing that a breakthrough does. It changes you. So I'm going to give you three prayers to pray. They're very simple, but this is not for things to change yet. If you get spiritual breakthrough, it's amazing how the things change in your life. So number one, what do you pray for then? What are you going to pray for right now? It's October 2021. We've got some stuff behind us. It's after these things. But how do I pray going forward? God, I need a breakthrough. I need some breakthroughs. God says, yeah, I'm going to treat you just like I treated the father of your faith. He's going to come right in here. And so the first thing you pray for, a breakthrough in courage. Yeah, a breakthrough in courage. And you say it out lot, God, actually, I'm okay, God. No, you're not. Pray for it. Okay. Uh, I need a breakthrough in courage. And then God will start showing you where you need courage. He will point out your fear. That's the first thing he did with Abraham was like, Abram, what? You're in fear. I am? Yes. Fear not. A <laughs> breakthrough in courage to what? Ah, that's the point. To do what? Do something. The courage to talk to that person. Talk to that person you've had a falling out with. Ah, talk to that person at work that you always ignore because he creeps you out or he irritates you. <laughs> the courage to do when the Holy Spirit says, do this, and you go, No. Why? I'm afraid. Actually, we make up spiritual excuses, but inside it's like, I'm afraid. Courage to evangelize. Courage to go to the nations. Courage to give. Whatever it is, God will fill in the blank, but you say, God, I need a breakthrough in courage. Why? What does, it do? What does that do for you? It helps you avoid fear. If you're constantly praying for breakthroughs in courage, then when fear tries to come, you go, get out of here. I've already prayed. God's going to give me courage. God coached up Joshua over and over in the first chapter. He's getting ready to take the people over this amazing, <laughs> raging, roaring Jordan River into their promised land. And he says, Joshua, only be strong and courageous. It's all you need is courage. If you have the courage, you can do this. And Joshua finally got it. He's like, okay, we're going to do it. We're going to go across this Jordan. Woohoo! get ready. Let's go. Thank you, Lord. Just give me that stick and we're, we're through. Stick, please. Lord, can I have a stick, please? Moses had a stick. I can't have a stick. You've got to be kidding me. Moses just took a... No stick. Don't you hate it when God takes your props away? God, I'll do it if I can use this. I'll do it like I did before. And he goes, no, just courage. Raw courage. Joshua, you don't need a stick. You just need me. You need faith in me. Secondly, you pray for a breakthrough in commitment. You go, oh, here he goes. Now the list comes out. Make sure you go to church and make sure you pay your tithes and make sure you do your prayer meeting make sure you read your Bible and make sure (laughs) you get more committed. That's not it at all. This is internal commitment. Internal commitment. To what? To the process God currently has you in. Stay committed to where you are right now. Whatever you're in right now, it's the process God has you in. See, God set Abram up for the breakthrough because he came and visited him at the point of the process that was actually breaking him down. <laughs> God's just amazing. He just watches and said, this is the perfect time. So, What does commitment do? Helps you avoid failure. Because usually at that moment, you want to give up. You don't want to be committed. That's when God has to break in. Why? He is the original committer. God started this whole thing. God started His relationship with you. You didn't start it with Him. I found the Lord. No, you didn't. You weren't even looking for Him. You were lost. (laughs) You didn't find the Lord. He set you up to find Him, but you weren't looking. God originally does what? He makes the greatest commitment. He commits the life of His own Son to you and gives it to you as a deposit, a sacred deposit. And then we turn around and commit back. So when we need commitment, we draw on the internal relationship you have with God. He is committed to you he never gives up he never fails it's all about advancing the kingdom anyway right how do you advance the kingdom it's a move of the heart come on somebody we it's not taking up offerings and sending missionaries that's that's the outward act but kingdom advance happens in the heart first and the enemy will do all he can To get you to quit. He was working hard on old Abe, man. He was working him hard. Give up. You're not going to have the kid pick out Eliezer. You come up with your own plan. He was working him hard. He's like, okay. And God has to break in on that. Stay committed to me. I'll bring the word again if I have to, but I'm not changing my mind. (laughs) Commitment says, what? I know how to keep going. Well done, Bangor Community Church. You're still here. Just turn to somebody and smile and say, we're still here. I mean, I almost be shocked. Like, yeah, we're still here. We're still here. We're not going to give up. We have a gospel to preach, nations to reach, win more souls, and let's get out of here. I am so tired of mortality. It wears me out. <laughs> I'm just tired of being held captive in this prison. I'm a prisoner. So are you. We're slaves. We're the original slaves. Gravity keeps us here. Someday we'll have to deal with that thing. But right now we're stuck. Every time. I never I never keep going. Always come back down. We're stuck here. But our Redeemer's coming. And we're coming out. And it ain't gonna be pretty. Can I just say that with a North Carolina ain't it's not gonna be pretty. You think this is over? Sorry, doom and gloom prophecy time. Who wants a nice doom and gloom prophecy? It's actually good news it's not going to get easier. We're ramping up for the finish. This is the beginning of birthing pains. Ladies, help me out here. Does it get better? Does it get easier? It gets faster, more frequent, and harder until the final push, and then, woohoo! then you forget about the pain because I got the baby. Who's the be beautiful. Just a minute ago, you were screaming at me like I was a demon. Anyway, um, I heard that on the internet somewhere. Um, yeah, this is the beginning of birthing pains. And so what does God want? He wants churches full of faith. Churches that are robust, strong believers so that when the world's breaking down, they go and go, how are you doing it? How do you, how, help me here. What's your secret? It's like, come with me. <laughs> I'll show you my secret. Finally, you pray for a breakthrough in heart. What? A breakthrough in your heart. This is where God does the first work. It's a movement of your heart. The kingdom moves because it's a movement of the heart toward the desires and the plans of God. So a breakthrough in heart answers this vital question. Why am I doing this? Think about it. Look at your life. Look at your circumstances. Look at anything you want about you and say, Yeah, why am I doing this? A breakthrough in heart is always something that shows you your true motives. You know, in America, they say 30% of pastors in America last year seriously considered quitting. And I don't blame them. It's tough. I work with a lot of pastors, I oversee churches. I was just making a lot of calls just to prop them up and help them and pray for them. It was tough. And they were faced with this moment where they actually said, yeah, why am I doing this? Why am I trying to pastor an invisible church? (laughs) Why am I trying, what am I trying to, what? And you come to this moment, you need a breakthrough in heart because it answers that question, why you're doing what you're doing. Because it's always something in your heart that keeps you going. Keep your heart with all diligence out of it, all the issues of life and so on. So Solomon, who wrote that, by the way, Proverbs 4.23, Solomon got a visit from God one time in First Kings 3 and he got asked what we would call maybe the billion dollar question. <laughs> Ask of me whatever you want, Solomon, and I'll give it to you. I don't know about you, but man, I'd have a list so fast. I'd be on Amazon so fast. <laughs> I want this, 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 you know, things, right? Solomon in his wisdom said, Lord, give me an understanding heart. I want an understanding heart to know how to discern between good and evil so that I can rule well over these people. And God looked down and went, that's what I'm looking for. What was he looking for? Pure motive. You know, motives are being tested in this hour. Our motives are being tested. God's looking for, what's your motive? A breakthrough in heart helps you avoid impure motives. You see, when Solomon had the ear of God, he was more interested in what would make him a better ruler for the people than more comfortable himself. God saw that and said, that's what I want. Oh, and by the way, here's the company credit card. Get whatever. You know, it's like a little test. Okay, I don't want money, God. I want things. I just want to have a pure heart. He goes, good. Now, you get the things. See, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, what? and all these things will be added. And that's exactly what Solomon demonstrated before God. Pure motive. So, Final thing, think about this. God has an ordained outcome. The photo reel is done. He's not making it up as he goes. God has an ordained outcome for you, your life, your family, for every church. God had an ordained outcome for every church the Apostle Paul planted. They're not here today. We go visit the ruins, but they're not here. What does that mean? Every church has a life cycle. Every human has a life cycle. Every living thing has a life cycle. God has an ordained outcome. Here's our battle. Here's the final quest. The final battle, agreeing with God's outcome. Can you get your heart into a place that no matter what happens, say, God, I trust you for the outcome? That's not always easy, especially in this mortal, fallen world especially when things don't work out the way we want them to. We say God's sovereign as long as there's a beneficial outcome to what I'm praying. And then when it doesn't go our way, we question God, we become like Abram, we lose heart, we lose faith, we get into fear, and then we question everything. God has an ordained outcome. That's what we're praying for. That's what we're seeking. When it says seek the Lord, seek what? Seek what he wants. Seek what his outcome is. Seek what his next step is toward the divine outcome. Because that is where the internal breakthroughs come, and we all need them. We all need to keep our focus on God and his purposes, not on external circumstances. Come on, somebody. Keep your focus on God. That's what Abraham lost, and God just put him back on focus again. Here's the good news. We all have these things. Everybody's got things. God is the God of the second chance. God loves to revisit us even when we're ready to throw in the towel. <laughs> so don't judge other people. They might be going through an Abe experience. We're not to judge other people. We're to lift them up and say, come on, after these things, there's more. God's got something for you. He's the breaker. Come on, these are the things that get me excited. Stand to your feet for a minute. I want to pray for you. I'm going to pray for these things. But it's not, gonna, it's not like, oh, good, he prayed for it. Now I'm going to have breakthroughs the rest of the year. Not necessarily. This is an ongoing dialogue with God. This is going to be an ongoing process that God wants to build into you. And I would say you're going to have to continue to pray these categories so that God can fill in the blanks. God, I need courage for? What do I need courage for, God? Why am I praying for courage tonight? Because you're about to face this. And you need to make a decision here. And you need to talk to that person. You don't want to talk. I mean, all the ways that God will start taking you toward the breakthrough. So, Father, we come tonight seriously knowing there's more after these things. In your own heart, just know that tonight. God says, wherever you are, whatever's going on in your life, your breaker goes out before you tonight. See him. See Jesus, our King, out in front of you, the breaker. Breaking fear, doubt, unbelief, uncertainty. Breaking that which is on the inside that holds us back. And then we break through. The promise is true from the prophet Micah. And we break through. We go right through the gate. The king at our head. So God, we come tonight in full assurance. You're out in front of us. You are our breaker. God, so we pray for breakthroughs and courage. We pray for breakthroughs in commitment that God. When we want to feel like quitting, we want to. We feel like failing to God. Oh, we'll pull on internal commitment to you. We pull on that internal relationship we have with our Savior, our Father. And Father, we pray for continuous breakthroughs in our motives, our hearts. God, <laughs> test our hearts. You're allowed to because you made them. Create in us a clean heart, oh God. Renew a right spirit in us. Let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight always. Lord, we need breakthroughs in heart. God, judge our impure motives. For blessed are the pure in heart. They're going to see God. I don't know about you. When it says, you want to see God, I got both hands up. Now, the problem with that is, I want to see God. That means something's got to go. I want more of God. I want to see more of God. Then you're going to have to probably give something up. Got to make more room in here. God's going to work on you this weekend, and this week, and next week. I want him to work on me. We want him to work on the inside where he does his best work. So, Father, we thank you that you are the breaker. We thank you there's always something after these things. We thank you. You have begun a fresh work right here in this house. And we're going to see the difference in the days to come. Can you say amen to that, church? Amen. Thank you for joining us. We look to God that He will direct your steps and blessings through this week. For more information, visit us at bangorcommunitychurch.co.uk or find us on Facebook.